Roby Isaac is a man that is unique. There's not another person like him. He is unique to the core. But we love him. We love him to death. He's, he's such a good friend to us. He has served for over 20 years, on again, off again, on Good News Media's board. Uh, and, and, and that is quite a term, let me tell you. And he's also served as two terms as president of the board. He's currently our board president at Good News Media. He has developed the game of golf through the tutelage of D.C. Cavender to the point now where D.C. is envious of some of his drives. Right, D.C.? So he's a golfer. He's a dynamic person. He's a servant of the Lord. He is going to blow your socks off this morning. He's got a great passion for Jesus. He's got to be one of the most patriotic people I know. And he loves being American. Welcome, Roby Isaac. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Appreciate that. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, East Bay Calvary. It's nice to see everybody. Great worship set. Fantastic. I was back over there and just feeling free to raise my hand and jump and clap, and I was doing it all. Because that's, you see, as a born-again believer, if we truly believe that Jesus Christ lives within us, he must come out of us. And he comes out of me. So what you see is what you get. And yesterday, I must say, I golfed with DC, and he had three, what, what, what? A three what, what, what's are, is when my drive and his drive are next to each other. So it was fantastic, but we had fun. Uh, Every time I come to East Bay Calvary, I feel like I'm at home, to be honest with you. It's whether through the concerts that we've put together, and we've had many here. Uh, I remember the Children's African Choir back when Pastor Dennis was here, and we had the Children's African Choir in here, and man, this church was hopping that day. Everybody was moving and jumping and clapping, and it's okay to do that, by the way. (laughs) That's all right. That's okay. Uh, You're going to be seeing me doing this a lot, so because I'm trying to get this connected, and I uh, hope you can hear me. But, uh, and, and, and three other times, I've been the commencement speaker, at, 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 uh, um, host for your uh, TEACH graduation. So, and uh, I'm honored to be here. When Brian and Lisa asked me to come here, I said, absolutely, absolutely. And one thing I want to tell you, and I want to encourage you to do this, pastors are under a lot of stress and duress. You add amen. That was an amen from a baby. From the mouth of babes. The COVID opportunity has created a lot of stress on them, on the congregation, and even amongst us, where some believe that I want to wear a mask, and no, I'm not going to wear a mask, and, and then we blame the pastor, why aren't you doing this, why aren't you doing that, bless you. I'm here to bless today, <laughs> and there'll be a lot of blessings. And we point our fingers at them, at their wives, at the children, because they're not doing things right. I want to encourage you to show mercy and grace and love toward the leadership, especially toward the pastors, because they have it tough. It's not just here, it's all over. And is this thing coming off again? Yeah, that's all right, it's going to happen. But I encourage you to do that. As, as Pete said, I am a patriotic person, I love this country. I love this country. And speaking of love this country, I love the military. 
and I don't know why I'm speaking with an accent all of a sudden. I don't know, but that's the Holy Spirit. So, so to me, I think it's appropriate, and I have this opportunity, so I'm going to maximize my opportunity. Is there any veterans in this house today? Please stand up. Please stand up. Thank you. 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 I salute you and I love you and God bless you. Who's older than 70 amongst you who served? Who's older than 70? Raise your hand. You're older than 70. Who's older than 75? How old are you, sir? 78. And what is your name, sir? Richard Luce. And what war did you serve in, sir? Vietnam. Vietnam. You're 78 years old. Richard, as a refugee and as an immigrant, I appreciate the American flag. You see, lately it's been decimated and torn and ripped apart and spat upon. I choose not to do that, sir, because of all of you that have served this country. It has been said that the red stands for the hardiness and the valor of this country. The white is the purity and the innocence that this country was founded upon. The blue is the vigilance and the perseverance of this country. But you see, for those of you that have bought, fought for freedom, for me to come to this country to do this, as a refugee, I see things differently in this color, in this flag. You see, when I see the red, I see the blood of Christ that was shed for this great country. When I see the white, I see the innocence and the purity of a lamb that was slain for all of us. When I see the blue, I see the majestic, beautiful sky that God created, and for fun, he tossed the stars into the skies. Richard, I salute you, my friend, and thank you for your service, sir. There you go, sir. For all the other veterans that stood up, I have a flag for every single one of you. When the service is done, I would like you to line up right over here. I would like to shake your hand personally and thank each and every single one of you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, that's it for today. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You wish. I got pages upon pages. We're going to be here for a while. Thank you. I was waiting for that. Oh, man, can I ask you to do me a favor? We've been sitting for a while, and I want you to do me a favor, just, just as a courtesy to me. Could you please stand up? Oh. By the way, I cry easily. I'm compassionate. I'm full of passion. So I'm sorry, but that's how God made me. Could you do me a favor? Just touch your heart. Touch your heart. Feel that beat. I want you to do my favor, do around 360 and turn around about face. In your place, waste spot, just do a turn around. Yep, that's okay, we're getting the blood flowing. Thank you. 
Now, normally, I would have you to move different spots, but all I want you to do now is just move side to side. Move side to side. Side to side. There you go. Go ahead and have a seat, and thank you for doing that for me. I think at this point, it's safe to say that when Brian and Lisa come back, Brian's going to talk to his staff and his leadership team and the elders, and he's going to say, listen, I invited Roby. I'm not quite sure. I know he's kind of wacko out there, but how did he do? I think it's safe to say that, man, Roby, <laughs> man, when he got done, my heart was touched. I was moved. <laughs> and my life has been turned around. <laughs> Where do I begin? There's so much to say in so little time. Because I can go on for hours and hours to condense the message of my amazing God and what he's done for me in my life. But before I start, let me tell you about the story of Jonah. How many of you are familiar with the story of Jonah? All of you, I hope. The story of Jonah is a short book. It's only four chapters. It starts off by God calling upon Jonah to go to Nineveh and tell Nineveh to repent. Otherwise, he will destroy it because of the vile corruption that was happening back in Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. Like most of us, Jonah did not listen. He takes a boat and goes to Tarshish. Completely opposite direction. Completely opposite direction. And on this boat that he's on, there's turbulence, there's wind. The sailors are on the boat. The fishermen are afraid of what's going on. They finally go approach Jonah. Hey, what's going on? Can you at least talk to your God? Maybe you can calm down the seas. He tells them that it's his fault that this has happened. Well, what should we do? He tells them point blank, throw me out of the boat. Toss me out into the ocean. Well, they were fearing for their lives, and that's what they did. They tossed them out. And sure enough, a salmon was coming by, and, and the salmon swallowed Jonah. Well, maybe it was a whale. I like salmon. <laughs> but I'm changing the story. And Jonah's inside that whale for three days and three nights and listens to God, and he complains. And, and, and God causes the whale to vomit Jonah out into the land, and he finally goes to Nineveh, and he says to Nineveh, repent, repent, and turn to God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The king of Assyria hears this and tells the rest of the country and rest of the society, rest of the Assyrian nation, not only are we going to accept the message of what Jonah is telling us, but we're going to repent and we're going to fast. He calls a fast upon the whole entire country. And people repented. And he said, not only are we going to repent, but the animals are also going to fast. And sure enough, God showed mercy to the Assyrians and he saved them. Today, as an Assyrian, I am an Assyrian. 100% of the Assyrian nation that we live all across the globe are born-again believers and Christians because of one man that made a difference. One man made a difference. 
That's Jonah. I kind of abbreviated that story because of my time, and I want to respect the time. And Jonah, after what God did, was angry and was bitter. And the reason he didn't go, because he knew that God would show his loving kindness and mercy toward the Assyrians who caused atrocities to the Jewish land of Israel, to the Jewish people of Israel. But God said, hey, should I not care about those people? They're my people. I created them. I made them in my image. Fast forward. I arrived in this country. I was born in Baghdad, Iraq. In 1972, my father was threatened by the Saddam Hussein regime. We were 1% Christians in a 99% Muslim country. Yes, that's what I said. Oh, oh, wow. I love babies, by the way. So here we are, born again, uh, Christians, Catholic Christians, in a Muslim world. And my father's threatened by Saddam Hussein's regime. Two things happen when you are threatened in a Muslim world. You either will disappear or you are killed. It's the same thing. Overnight, literally within 24, 48 hours, we packed up and we knew that our life was in danger. I did not know what was going on, what my parents were doing, but I remember the scene of leaving Baghdad and we're crying and we're in tears and all we have is suitcases with us. We're smuggled to a country called Syria. Damascus, Syria is where we went. So we went from Baghdad to Damascus, Syria, and from Damascus, Syria, we were smuggled to Beirut, Lebanon. Beirut, Lebanon was the nearest place that we can find a U.S. embassy that we can seek and file for political asylum. For those of you that are not familiar with the immigration system, if you want to come to this country, you go through the system and you go to seek a U.S. embassy, seek refuge for religion persecution, faith persecution, whatever it may be. So... We landed in Beirut, Lebanon, and went to the U.S. Embassy, filed for political asylum to come here. We had to wait there two years as refugees, me, my mother and father, and my three sisters. And we stayed in a room that was 12 by 12 for two years. Six of us. For those of you that are doing math, it's 144 square feet. For two years. And in 1974... We got our green card to come to this country. One of the greatest days of my life. In 1979, I became a U.S. citizen because that was important for me and for my family. To all of us become citizens, we had to take a citizenship test, know about our government, our laws, our judicial system, our senators, our congressmen. I know more about your country than you do, <laughs> right? The executive branch, the judicial branch, the Roby branch, that's when I make my own laws. 1979. I was 19 years old when I got to be an American citizen. So I arrived in this country, I was 15 years of age. Fast forward to the age of 25. I was a manager and a buyer for a men's clothing store. This is 1986, 80, I think it was 87. And back then, we were selling suits that were $500, ties were 60, 70 bucks, and shoes were like two, 300 bucks. This is back in the 80s. I'm thinking, wow. In walks in two girls, two young ladies, I should say. 
And I was mesmerized by one of the girls. And it was Father's Day weekend, and they're looking for ideas to get their father. So I'm helping them, and uh, I approached to one of the sisters. I goes, hey, I didn't know they were sisters. I goes, hey, who's that girl with you? She goes, well, that's my sister. I goes, is she single? She goes, oh, yeah, she's single, but she's a good girl. I don't know what that meant. I said, okay, I'm a good guy. <laughs> I goes, uh, well, where does she work? She tells me the place where she works. She works at a vascular surgery place. It's all right. So I finally found it and located it. When they left, next day, I go to the flower shop, and I order a dozen roses. And, and you know those little cards, that's two inches, that you can write, hey, in sympathy or gratitude or whatever? And I sent four of those cards. And, and here's what it said on those cards. Uh, first one said, and I had self-addressed envelopes and return envelopes all set up. I mean, because I'm, I'm the man, you know? I'm the man. I want, I want to do this. And it um, feels kind of corny talking about this because I remember now I'm realizing that I was corny. <laughs> Why'd you do that? So I sent her the card, and she gets it to the uh, vascular office. Now all the nurses and the doctors are seeing this, and they got to ask her, where'd you get those flowers from? Because that's typically what happens when you send somebody flowers, right? Sure. Well, she reads it, and the first card says, Hi, Maureen, my name is Roby Isaac. I'm the manager that helped you find the shirt and tie for your father. Please see the attached three cards and send the appropriate one back to me. <laughs> now, you're ahead of me now. But you don't know my mind. <laughs> so on the first card, it says, I'm really interested in taking you out on a date. Please send the appropriate card. See next. So the next two cards, the first one says, yes, I would love to go out with you. I find you extremely attractive. <laughs> the second one said, no, I think this is stupid, but thanks for the flowers. So I'm waiting for a card to come in the mail. There's nothing. I'm thinking, oh, man, I just wasted my money. It's a humiliation. She's going to see me again. What's going to happen? I get a phone call three days later. And my staff answers the phone, and they said, uh, boss, it's for you. I goes, all right, take it up. Hi, this is Maureen. <sighs> my heart, <laughs> right? You know how it is when you go on a first date. You put your best behavior on, you suit, and you look good. And she goes, I received your flowers. That was very kind of you, very nice. And I am interested in going out with you. My staff is looking at me like my eyes are wide open. I'm like excited. I want to yell, but I have customers. So I goes, oh, that's great. Uh, let, let me do this. Let's get in touch with you. I'll get in touch with you. I act like I'm cool, calm, and collective. You know, hey, hey, hey. But deep inside, I was like pumped. So we're going on a date, and it was good. I asked her for another date. All good. We went out. Third time we went out, she says to me, hey, what are you doing Sunday? I'm thinking, okay, how do I answer this? And what is she after? I says, uh, oh, nothing. She goes, how would you like to come to church with me? Right? And I was already attending my mom's Catholic church because that's our background. My mom was a choir teacher as well, too. So... I attend church with her, and it was a revival week. 
It was a Nazarene church in Flint, Michigan. And it was a revival week. For those of you that are familiar with the revival, they bring in a guest speaker, and it's a revival time. And all week long, it's revival time. And the pastor is speaking, and this emotion and these feelings come toward me. Oh, this is a plot. Oh, no, this is that type of church. Oh, that guy is speaking directly to me. Oh, she had all this set up. I said, all right. So service ends. It's on again next day. And I like this girl so much that I just want to be in church just to see her. Right? That's it. He's talking and he's talking. I'm like, all right, uh-oh. He must know that I'm here today. He must have checked me out. He knew I was coming. All right? I go to the third day. It was on a Wednesday. Midweek service. And he's talking and he's talking and my heart's getting softer and tender and understanding. And he makes an altar call. And without hesitation, my feet get up from the pew and I'm saying, hold on, don't go, don't go, don't go. My legs are going, but my body and my mind are still back here. You know what I'm talking about? And I walk toward the altar. As I'm walking toward the altar, chains are coming off of me. Dirty stains are coming off of me. The past is gone of living in poverty and living as a refugee. I'm thinking, I belong to the king of kings now. All these things are resonating now. It's registering with me. And I give my life to Christ at the age of 25, 26 years of age. I went back Thursday. Can you do me a favor? Can you take this off my So Thursday, I go back. Again, I'm new to this country. I've only been here 10 years, let's say 74, 25, almost 9, 10 years. I'm still trying to learn the culture and born again. What does it mean, born again? I'm already born. My mom gave me birth. I was there. <laughs> so I go back Thursday, and he makes the altar call again. And I walk up down the aisle again. And as I'm walking up the aisle, the pastor says, Oh, Roby, bless your heart. Now, I was going up there to make sure that I am saved, that my sins are washed away. I want to do it. I want to make sure that not only 80% was washed the first time, but the remaining 20 has been washed. That's what I was trying to do, but I did not understand. Now, reflecting back, you can look at it two ways. When he said, bless your heart, maybe he was just saying, oh, man, you're so faithful. You're so good. You make an impression on a lot of people here. Or you could take it the southern way when he said, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? So now you're asking me, Roby, what does, what does Jonah go into Nineveh? What does Maureen taking you to a church and getting saved tying all together? What, what is this? Well, you see, when Jonah went to Nineveh, that is the modern-day Baghdad. The great Assyrian Empire was part of Persia, Iran, currently, and Baghdad and part of Syria. So the Assyrians... Jonah 
save the Assyrian nation. As a matter of fact, my mother's name is Yonah. That is the female version of Jonah. My uncle's names and my dad are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Praise the Lord is right. Yeah, that's right. So when my uncles would come and see my dad, whose name is Isaac, Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, or Jacob, I should say, Abraham, and I, whenever they would come together and they would go in a separate room, they're playing games or backgammon or whatever, we would be like an awe. Like, oh, there's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? <laughs> God's there. Even though they're playing backgammon and rolling dice, he's there, <laughs> right? Right? I know. So you're asking me, what's this? What's Jonah and Maureen and, and Nineveh and Baghdad and Iraq? What are you telling us? I'm glad you asked. <sighs> what are the odds of somebody born in Baghdad, Iraq, Nineveh, a descendant from the great Assyrian Empire, go from Baghdad to Damascus, to Beirut, Lebanon, to Flint, Michigan, to East Bay, Calvary, to preach about loving kindness and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. The odds are one in 7.8 billion. I want you to think about that. The world population is 7.8 billion. And you're seeing a descendant of the great Assyrian Empire. That Jonah story that you read in the Bible and you, for your kids or grandchildren? No, it's real. I'm living it. I'm it. I'm the descendant of that great Assyrian Empire. Jonah made a difference. What are the odds of a woman that I liked at age 25 would invite me to church at a Nazarene church at a revival and give my life to Christ to be born again. To be here to talk about Jesus Christ. That in itself is awesome. So you're asking me, so what are you asking us? Well, who's the next Maureen in here? Thank you for raising your hand. Who's the next Jonah? Yes. Why not? Why not? So we tend to minimize our God and maximize our trials and tribulations and the devil. You have a king of all kings. You have the opportunity in this country to come to church, carry your Bible, without execution and persecution. You are blessed and you don't even know it. You came here freely. Where I come from, we'd be, are we dead today? Are we get, is this the day that we die? You get the praise and worship. You got the whole stage. You got it all. Count your blessings as Americans. Count your blessings what God has done for this great country that we call United States of America. But God uses his people to show his power through prayer, to show his provision. And he is calling you to invite other people to Christ that none shall perish but have everlasting life. And the question is, as you stand before your maker, your God, he's a final exam test. A good teacher tells his students 
what's going to be on the exam, right? And hoping that when the exam comes, you pass that exam. When we stand before our maker, he's going to say, what did you do on earth for me? Who did you lead to Christ? Who did you invite to Christ to at least allow us to plant a seed in their life? That's all you're asked to do is plant a seed, and that seed will germinate and harvest, and through the power of the Son, it'll come back, and the power of the Holy Spirit, they'll be led to Christ. But they must walk with you, and you must walk with them. There are some people that maybe you don't want them to go to heaven. Oh, I know. I get it. There are some people that are unlovable. I get it. There are some people that just don't want to touch. I get it. But at the end of the day, God created them. Think about that. There are six million eggs in a mother's womb, and God created you out of that six million eggs. God made you. God made you and you and you. Six million eggs. What are the odds of you being born here and being, being born and being here today? One in six million. You're not here by accident today. This is not a coincidence. This is an ordained appointment and an opportunity to hear from an immigrant, from a refugee, from an Assyrian nation who I consider myself to be a proud American, that I am thankful to be born again in Christ in me, and he lives within me, and he comes out of me. So the question is, what are you going to do? I'm glad you asked. Right? It's really simple. It's really, really simple. Be in prayer and ask God the following. God, and if you do this right now in your heart, God will give, like this, it'll pop in your heart. Say, God, who would you like me to lead to Christ or who would you like me to witness to get saved again? I bet you if you do that, a name or two will pop up. Who can I be a witness to? Who can I lead to Christ? Who can I invite to church? These pews are full. Because those people that are not here, two things are happening to them. They're either going to heaven and they're absent, they're not here, or they're going to hell because nobody told them about Christ. And God's always with you. He promises you, I'll be with you till the end of time. If God's with you, who can be against you? You and God are the majority. The rest is the minority. How do I go about talking to people? What do I see these people? It's called the sphere of influence. Every single one of us has a sphere of influence. Your sphere could be your family, your friends, and your coworkers. Every single one of you knows at least two to 300 people. At least that's what Facebook tells me, right? So you take all this right here, all these beautiful people. They know at least two to 300 people. What if every single person here just invited one? Not two, three hundred, just one. And that soul got nourished. And Brian spoke the message that God laid upon his heart. And that person's heart was softened and receptive and open to receive the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It could be my story times 20, times 50, times 100 here in your altar. And that would be feather in your cap when you meet your maker. Don't build treasures here. Build them in heaven. The key to living this kind of life is you have to be a seed planter. 
plant seeds in people's lives. Be a builder, be an encourager, be an edifier. Love people with passion and action. Because you know what? We need to be in the people's business. And if we're not in the people's business, we're in the wrong business. Because God is in the people's business. And thank God when I make errors, when I make stuff that's stupid, stuff like that, that he still wants to do business with me. Right? I know this is a perfect church. I just saw a wife and her husband like this. You're not. <laughs> no, no. Oh. Sphere of influence. God showed his mercy and grace toward the Assyrian nation. How much more should we show the grace and mercy that flows in you and out of you toward the people that are going to hell? You got to take it seriously. We have to be disciple-making people. You know why we don't? Fear, intimidation, and rejection. We fear that they might say no, or they will reject us, or unknown. What's the worst that can happen? You walk off, you go to the next person, and God will put those people in your path. When you see people come into those church doors, some are born again, some are saved, some are seekers. Some are seekers. They're seeking, where do I go? What do I find God? What does God look like? What? It's got to be exemplified through you. How you meet them, how you greet them, how you welcome them. It's called the ABCD in the business world that I'm involved in. You got to go above and beyond the call of duty. Above and beyond call of duty. And when they see that, they say, oh, this church did not go above and beyond call of duty. They were fantastic. And what happens if you don't practice ABCD in this church? You're doing the opposite. You're doing DCBA. You're telling that person, hey, don't come back anymore. Is that what you're telling the people that are coming to those doors? Don't come back anymore? Or are you practicing ABCD, above and beyond the call of duty? I hope that you practice above and beyond call of duty. Amen. Thank you. Another mouth of babes. Thank you. I'm, I'm rolling with that one. Oh, Lordy. God is good, amen? Are you okay so far? All right. Do I have another 30 minutes? Now, it would have been awesome to hear everybody say amen. <laughs> it's too late now. <laughs> George Washington Carver said, and you can't, by the way, you can't find George Washington Carver in the book, okay? There's no book, George Washington Carver, so don't go over there looking over there. But he said, how far you go in life, as a matter of fact, I'll read it out because I have that poster in my Bible, and I've had it there for 20 plus years. It says, how far you go in life depends on you being tender with the young, right? Tender with the young, compassionate with the aged, sympathetic with the striving, intolerant of the weak and strong, because someday in life, you will have been all of these. And life is fragile. We will become all of those. So I'm not telling you that 
we have to be perfect like Jesus Christ because we never will be. Oh, I'm not, I, I don't feel, yeah, I'm not ready, stuff like that. Yes, you are ready. You're in church. Your Brian's been teaching you. He's been equipping you. Now all you got to do is go and apply it. Apply it. Application. It's the easiest thing to do. And have no fear. Because God has not given you a spirit of fear, right? Power, love, and sound mind. If we truly hear, believe, that Jesus Christ is the king of all kings, that when we accept him into our hearts, then we become into his family, we are his children, that makes you, that makes him royalty. That means you're his son and you are a prince. You are a prince. You're a princess, right? Because your daddy is a king of kings. You're a princess. You're a princess. You're a princess. You're a prince. You're a prince. You're a prince. Princes and princesses sitting next to each other. Did I just call you princess, sir? <laughs> I meant prince and princess. Sorry about that. We'll leave it at that. That makes you royalty. But what happens is, we're so overwhelmed with technology and self-serving, and, and, and we listen to WIIFM. I come from the radio background, as, as Pete told you. It's, it's what's in it for me syndrome, WIIFM. What's in it for me? There, has, there cannot be nothing for you but everything for him. Everything for him. And we give it glory that the power of the Holy Spirit will come and touch that person's life and they elect to Christ. That is the most beautiful thing. Angels rejoice, angels rejoice in heaven, applauds, and, and, and as we bring another soul that's about to die and go to hell, but they are saved by the loving and mercy of our loving Father and His kindness. When I was doing this, preparing this for the past seven, ten days, last night toward the end, a song came to my mind Little did I know, little did I know, and the choir or the band, if you want to prepare and come on up, little did I know that that song that I had picked for today, so I can dismiss you, was the first opening song. So the guy in the background says, hey, man, we're already playing this song. I goes, yeah, toward the end when I asked you to. He goes, no, that's our opening song. Praise God is right. That's right. Last minute, that song came to my, and it's the first opening song for today, and the battle belongs to the Lord. You're going out there to do battle. It's a battle, but the battle belongs to the Lord. It belongs to your king. It belongs to your heavenly father. He is with you. He will never leave you. He will never, never forsake you. He's done the work. Are you willing to do a little bit of work? I would love it if I'm invited back again next year to see that whole thing up there filled. And this is filled because you took action. You took action. You took action. You took action. You took this seriously. You took action. 
invited somebody that needs Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. That's our homework from God when we're here on earth. It's that simple. Do you want your children to go to hell? Do you want your grandchildren to go to hell? I don't. I don't. But it's time. It's time. That time is today. As the band sets up, remember this. I want you to stand up and I want you to sing this song with authority. Raise your hand if you need to. There's no shame in that. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. For the veterans, when we're done, I'll be right over there. I have a flag for every single one of you. I hope you come back and see me, please. In closing, I just want to say one thing. And I mean this with the bottom of my heart. Thank you for allowing a refugee, an immigrant that loves this country so much to come to speak to you today. It has been my privilege and my honor to be here. And truly, truly, I say to you, I am the one that's blessed today. Thank you. God bless you.